The original plan today was to, to teach on Joshua this morning, and two weeks ago, I felt like the Lord nudged me <clears throat> to teach on Esther instead, and then when the news broke on Thursday, I just started praying, like, Lord, what in the world do you share on a day like today? And all weekend long, I've just really felt the Lord say, stick to the plan. And uh, so I've already told you, uh, he said to me, what I want you to share. So Esther chapter 1, if you've got a Bible with you today, if you want to use one of the Bibles around the room on page uh, 344, you can turn there. I'll be honest, you really need about six weeks to tell the story of Esther, all right? We're going to try and do it in about 20 or 25 uh, minutes this morning, but if you miss everything today and with everything that we've talked about this morning, please don't miss this. The theme of the book of Esther, the story of Esther is just simply this, that our God is sovereign. And that he is faithful, and Esther's story is one that reminds us that no matter what we go through in this world, no matter what we might face, even moments like these, our God is good, and he is faithful, and the cross of Jesus Christ is a reminder, a powerful reminder to us that our God wins. Amen? All right? We believe that? Amen. All right. Esther was a virtual unknown. If you're new to this story, she was an orphan, really, with no real status, no legal rights. Uh, you might remember from last week, we talked about Daniel. Daniel was a Jew forced to grow up under the Babylonian Empire. And Esther's story is a similar story. Uh, she, also a Jew, she was forced to live under the challenges of an oppressive Persian empire, an evil empire. And uh, the Persians, they were an interesting group of people. They loved to party, all right? They, uh, they loved to party, and they loved to party for one simple reason, and that is that their king, King Xerxes, loved to party. Now, not surprisingly then, the Old Testament book of Esther begins with a party. And this wasn't just some come and go sort of an open house either. This was an impressive sort of party. This was a, a party that lasted six months. Now, can you even imagine getting invited to a party like that? All right. You go to a party like that, you can't just take a card. All right. You got to take a gift uh, to a party uh, like that. A card's not going to cut it. Well, it was during this six-month-long party that Xerxes, King Xerxes, took all of the men to his portion of the palace, and the queen at the time, Queen Vashti, took all of the women over to her quarters in the palace. Well, Esther chapter 1 says that on the seventh day of the sixth month of partying, Xerxes and the boys got a little drunk a little wasted, and remember, Xerxes is the big man on campus, so he's feeling pretty good about himself. He's feeling pretty good about his queen Vashti, and so look what he orders of her in Esther chapter 1, verse 11. He says to his servants, bring queen Vashti to me, and to each of us, really, wearing her royal crown in order to display her beauty to the people and nobles, for she was lovely to look at. Now, scholars have differing opinions of what's really going on here and about what this means. Some, some think it was a request of Vashti to come before the men, before Xerxes, unveiled, all right, which in this day would have been scandalous in and of itself, but there are others that believe that Xerxes wanted him to come before his men wearing nothing but her crown, all right? But Queen Vashti refuses Good for her. And uh, Xerxes comes a little unglued because no one says no to the king. But, well, what happens next? Xerxes consults his royal advisors. He asks a question, basically, what should I do now? And verse 19, they advise him. They say, therefore, if it pleases the king, let him issue a royal dec decree and let it be written in the laws of Persia and Media, which cannot be repealed, that Vashti is never again to enter the presence of King Xerxes. Also, let the king give her royal position to someone else 
who is better than she. And so Vashti was deposed. She was removed from her position as queen. And it didn't take long before Xerxes figured out that he was a loser. All right. And so he's depressed and and pouting around the palace. He misses misses Vashti. And so his servants and advisors come up with this plan, this idea, uh, as a way of really trying to cheer him up. And and to do this, uh, what they do is they decide to throw a pageant a Miss Persia sort of a pageant. And it's decided that the winner of the Miss Persia pageant will be the next queen. Enter Esther. All right? Now, Esther wasn't Persian. Remember, she's a Jew, and the Jews were God's chosen people. And remember, too, that she's an orphan raised by her cousin, a guy by the name of Mordecai. And Mordecai just happened to be working in the palace when word got out about this Persia pageant. And so Mordecai goes to his niece Esther, and he says to her, basically, you should enter this pageant, all right? But whatever you do, don't tell them that you're a Jew. And so Esther enters the pageant. And this is where the story gets a little scandalous. Because it's important for you to understand a little bit more about how pageants like these worked. In this case, and on this particular occasion in Persia, uh, women brought in for the pageant were likely to undergo about six months of beauty treatment, which involved a, a diet of fruits and vegetables, having their nail done, having hair treatments and other things. And then one by one, each woman would be escorted into the king's quarters where they would spend the night with the king, and that was it. And he would try every girl out until he found the one that he really liked. Now, if you grew up around church and went to Sunday school, I hope it didn't get explained to you this way, you know, as a kid, all right? Because you've probably held up Esther's story as a powerful story of virtue. And in many ways, Esther will indeed become that figure. But let's not skim over what she agreed to and what likely happened because of it. Now, to be fair... Many argue over whether or not she really had a choice in the matter, all right, that she, she could have been forced into this. But I'd like to at least challenge you to remember that Daniel had a choice. He had a very specific choice under a very oppressive government. And if you know the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they had a tough choice to make, and they were willing to enter into the furnace because of it. Whatever the case, Esther chose in some way to go along with what was happening. She was willing to hide her, the fact that she was Jewish, which meant that to a certain degree she was silent about her faith in God. And here's what I want you to see in even bringing that up and, and saying this. I, I mean, it's a reminder for us that people make mistakes. Very good people make mistakes. And I think Esther made a great mistake in hiding her faith and stooping to this level with an evil king. This isn't how God's people are supposed to act. But do you know what? God's going to redeem Esther. And he's going to redeem her mistakes. And Esther is going to grow from this mistake, and she's going to become a godly woman that the Lord is able to use. And man, what an encouragement today. What an encouragement for each of us. And maybe even for some of you this morning. And Because maybe like Esther, your past is filled with poor choices. Maybe your, your past has been defined. Maybe even your life today in some way, shape, or form has been defined by one particular mistake. Guess what? I want you to know today that God can redeem you and he can redeem your past choices 
and he can heal you. He's a God that is more than capable of using you and your life no matter what it is that you've gone through. Psalm 30 verse 5 again says, For his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may stay for the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. And here's what happens. When you awaken your life to God, when you awaken your life to the possibilities of what Christ in you can do for you and how it can transform your life forever. You see, there's no dwelling on the past anymore when you're in Christ Jesus, all right? God, God doesn't act in the past. He takes care of the past. He's willing to resolve that past for us, but, but he is a God of the present, all right? He is a God of the future, and he's going to use Esther, and he's going to transform his life, and I want you to know this morning that he can do the very same thing for you, that our God can redeem you and forgive you and heal you no matter what it is that has happened around your life. And so, Esther wins this pageant, all right, and she becomes the new queen of Persia, and she's got to be feeling pretty good about her life, but here's where the plot thickens. Not too long after Esther assumes her role, one of the king's officials, uh, an evil man by the name of Haman, uh, constructs a plan to destroy anyone in Persia with genetic ties to the nation of Israel. Now, so he's a Persian that wants all of the Jews eliminated, and it didn't take long for Haman to use his influence either with the king and so King Xerxes issued a plan to execute genocide of all of God's people, Esther's people. But remember, Esther doesn't know, or Xerxes doesn't know that Esther is a Jew, and Mordecai is a Jew, and he's working in the palace, and he learns of this evil plot. And so Esther finds herself in this dilemma. Now, you and I might look at this story and say, what's the big deal? What's the dilemma here? I mean, she's the queen. All right, we don't have a problem, all right? We've got something very good here. She's the queen. Why can't she just walk into the king's office, have a conversation, tell him what the, that the Haman is up to, and then the decree would be changed? Well, unfortunately, it didn't work like that in the Persian Empire. When a king made a decree or passed a law in Persia, it was basically irreversible. Well, there's another side to this dilemma too for Esther. Esther just couldn't walk in to the presence of the king. I mean, even as the queen, you weren't allowed to walk into the king's chambers unless you were invited. And so doing so meant death or the potential of death. I mean, if the king of Persia didn't extend the royal scepter to a person first, it was basically off with their head. And, and so I'd like you to just try and feel the weight, the tension of the moment that Esther finds herself in. I mean, if she tries to do something, she could die. I mean, remember what happened to Vashti. And if Esther doesn't do anything, and if her secret gets out, she may live. Or if it never gets out, she may live, but all of her people might die. And maybe some of you this morning can relate. Ever find yourself between a rock and a hard place? And you're not sure what to do? And, and maybe, even, maybe it's not a life or death thing for you, but, but we all have times where we end up in moments and circumstances and there are no real easy answers. For some of us, for some of you, it could be a wrong relationship. Even this morning and even with the news that we've shared, I mean, maybe you find yourself in a very private place in your own heart and mind right now realizing that you're in a relationship and it's a relationship that you know that your head says needs to end, but at the very same time, your heart wants to continue. Maybe for some of you this morning, it has to do with work or what you do for a living. Maybe you're doing something unethical, but to stop doing it may mean that you don't have a job anymore. Maybe, maybe for some of you it's a financial thing and, and you're making one bad decision, one bad financial decision after another, but you're trying to cover up a decision that you made a long time ago and you just can't stop the cycle. Maybe some of you have a friend in your life right now and you want to tell him or tell her that what they're doing is wrong 
and that they're heading down a destructive path, but you're afraid to do so for the sake of that friendship with them. Esther's in a tough place. All right, she's got this great dilemma, really a dilemma of death before her, and so she needs faith. She needs the faith to act courageously. We all have moments in our life every day and every week where we need the courage to act in faith and in obedience. But all of this drama is leading up to Esther's moment. And uh, even as you read this story, I mean, you might think that things are spinning out of control, but, but God has Esther right where he wants her and just at the right time. And, and again, Esther's cousin, you remember him? This guy Mordecai, he knows what's up. All right, he knows what's happening. And while, while Re- Esther doesn't recognize it at first, Mordecai sees her position and he sees the timing of all of this and so he sees hope. And so it doesn't take long before he starts sending her messages, sending messages to Esther saying, hey, you've got to do something here. We're, we're going to die if you don't do something. And Esther's first response isn't exactly heroic. Look at Esther chapter 4, verse 11. It says, all the king's officials and the people of the royal provinces uh, know that, all right, this is the message that he's sending to Esther, that for any man or woman who approaches the king, or I'm sorry, this is Esther responding to Mordecai, that any man or woman who approaches the king in the inner court without being summoned by the king has but one law, all right, that they be put to death unless the king extends the gold scepter to them and spares their lives, all right, so you see the tension she finds herself in, all right, you can see the fear here, certainly, you can see where she needs courage, and the words that Mordecai sends back to her are probably some of the most famous words in this story, and, and what I'm hoping and praying are maybe the words you need to hear today, and maybe for each of us. Mordecai sent this message back, verse 13. He said, do not think that because you were in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. And then he says, for if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your father's family will perish. And then he challenges her with this question. And who knows, but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. Mordecai says, Esther, there is no coincidence You are who you are, and you are where you are for a reason, and it's time for you to do something. Friends, sometimes we find ourselves in positions and moments like these where we must act. We need to respond, and and if we don't, there could be consequences, and they may be severe. And sometimes, you know, we're, we're in that place because of our mistakes. Sometimes we find ourselves in those moments because of our failures, because of our own sin. But we serve a mighty God, a faithful, loving, and forgiving God. And even when we don't always see him, and even when we wonder what he's up to or if he's listening or if he's involved, we're trying to understand he's always watching. He's always paying attention. Our God never panics. And he's big enough, he's great enough, he's gracious enough to use you and to use you as you are and where you are and to fulfill his purposes in this world, in you and through you and for your good and for his glory in this world. Our God is a faithful and sovereign God. And the point is not how you got there, but what you do now. The point isn't, how you got to where you are right now, but it is, what do you do now? What must you do now? Because who knows, 
that you have come to this place and position for such a time as this. That was Esther's, or Mordecai's challenge to Esther, and she got it quickly. Verse 15, it says, Then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai, Go gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my attendants will fast as you do. And Esther said, And when this is done, I will go to the king, even though it's against the law. And if I perish, I perish. Really quickly, here's the rest of the story. God uses Esther's bravery. He's going to put faith and courage in her and obedience. And God's going to work through her and rescue all of Israel. The king's going to change his mind. Haman's plan is going to backfire in his face. And, well, if you follow it on VeggieTales, Haman will be sentenced to, he will be banished to the island of perpetual tickling, as my uh, kids reminded me of this morning. But uh, as your book probably reads, he ends up being hanged on the very gallows that he had built to hang Mordecai from. What an irony, right? And then get this, eventually two guys in history are going to come along, two men by the name of Nehemiah and Ezra, and they're going to lead the, the Jews back to their home in Israel once again. And then a few generations later, wouldn't you know it, another Jewish girl, a descendant of one of these people that Esther helped save, will give birth to a baby boy by the name of Jesus, and he will become the one who will save his people from their sins. That's a good story, right? That's a really good story. And sometimes, you know what, that's where it stops for us. We look at something like this and we think, you know what, that's an incredible story. But really, is there anything for me to learn from this? Can it really have any impact on my life today? I believe we can look at her response to Mordecai's challenge, and I think we can see two things that can help us as we go from here, two things to encourage us in our faith today. The first thing is this. Genesis this morning, I want to encourage you to understand your identity in Jesus Christ. You got to know who you are and who you belong to. The first thing that Mordecai did for Esther was to remind her of who she was. She needed to be reminded of her identity. He told her, you are a Jew. You belong to God. And for you and me today, a big part of growing in our faith, a big part of living for the Lord each day is being reminded daily of who it is that we belong to. Now, if you're not a Christian, I realize this might be a tough thing for you, but my challenge to you this morning is to figure out who you are and who you belong to. You've got to decide what's important to you. You've got to decide where you're going to find your identity. But if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, your identity lies in Christ. You are a child of God, and you belong to his family. John said it like this in John chapter 1, verse 12. He says, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. See, you were given a gift when you made a decision in your life to trust Jesus Christ, to put your faith in him. And that's the gift of forgiveness. That's the gift of knowing that you have a new and, and a perfect father, a father who is a father to the fatherless. We have a new identity, and we need to embrace our identity in Jesus Christ every single day. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says, the old is gone when you come to Christ, and the new is here forever. And it's from this identity that we're going to find the courage to live. It's from this identity where you're going to find the courage to act, and that's what it's going to take right now. Courageous faith from each of us, uh, things like sacrificial love, unending grace, and falling more deeply in love with Jesus Christ every single day. Mordecai reminded Esther about her identity, but the second thing that he did was to remind her that she had influence 
as well. And for us, the second step really in building courageous faith is being reminded that we've got to understand the influence that we have been given as children of God. He said this, and who knows, but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. The influence is about the impact that we can have on other people. That's what Mordecai can't get over, and so he reminds her, hey, you are where you are for a purpose. All right, God made you the queen. You are in a unique position, and you have an incredible opportunity now, and the question is, will you let God use you in this moment? Genesis Church, I want to ask you the same. Will you allow God to use you right now in this next season in our church? Will you allow God to use you for, for his glory and in, this, and in this world, think about this, you know, for, for such a time as this, some of you today, some of you men, you need to take on a new passion and love for your wives, and you need to serve her, and you need to forgive her, and you need to recommit your life to her. Ladies, the same. Women, if you're married right now, you need a new desire to love your husband, all right, to serve your husband, to, for, to forgive one another if necessary. And I just want to say to you that if you're in trouble right now, get help today, we would be more than happy to help uh, with this, but for such a time as this, husbands and wives, let's recommit our marriages to the Lord, and let's refuse to allow Satan to destroy our marriages and any families here as a part of his church. And for those of you with kids today, and take advantage, seize the moment in the days that you have with the children in your home and around you right now. Use this as an opportunity to talk to them about their own relationship with the Lord and who they're living for and things like obedience. Don't overlook the opportunity that you have to invest in your kids and to teach them and model for them what it means to love the Lord and to forgive each other and to help them see when you make mistakes and how you need the Lord just as much as anyone else. Man, I'll tell you what, even with the challenging weekend on Friday after school, I just kind of sort of felt like I needed to take my kids out for ice cream and not the cheap McDonald's kind. We went to Alexander's, all right? And we lived it up there and it was, it was good and so Love your kids, all right? Come around your kids and your students right now. Jenny and I are crazy about our kids. And when necessary, seek their forgiveness if needed. And you just keep pointing them to Jesus. For some of you, uh, for such a time as this, you need to speak some tough words to some people in your life. You've got some people in your life right now and you know that they are drifting. You've got friends who, who need you right now, people that are in crisis, and you need to love them and embrace them and help them as they're walking and taking these next steps. I want to say to our students today, hey, for such a time as this, don't give up. Don't give in. There are great things happening right now in our middle school and high school ministry. And I believe that God can do immeasurably more. And he is faithful. And he wants to use you right now for even greater things in our community and in our church. And finally, for us as a church, we've got some tough days ahead. It's going to be hard, but for such a time as this, let's love each other and love one another very well and care for one another and share the light of Jesus with the people all around us. For some of you personally, you need to get right with God. Don't live a life of lies and secrecy. For such a time as this, let today be the start of you getting right with God or with your spouse, or with your parents, or your kids, whatever it can take. We're here to help. We'd love to help. But don't miss a moment like this today to respond to the Lord. I'll close with this. Matt's going to come forward and lead us in one last song. You know, there are a ton of examples in the Old Testament and New Testament, biblical character stories like that of Esther that 
well, can serve as great examples for us. And while seeing Esther's story and see, seeing her actions might inspire you, the truth is that really Esther is more of a signpost. She is a signpost, uh, more of a signpost than example, a signpost that just points to our deep need for Jesus Christ, our deep need for Jesus. I mean, think about it. Esther may have lived in a palace, but Jesus lived in the ultimate palace, and he left the palace, and he came to earth to save God's people, to save you and me, and no one pressured him to do it, and he did it willingly, and he made himself nothing, and he took on the form of a servant, and then he died in your place, and in my place, and he took the punishment that we deserve, and now he stands, not at the throne of Xerxes, but he stands alone as the true king of kings and lord of lords at the throne of our true and great and loving God. And because he did that, you can be forgiven. We can be forgiven. Let's pray. Let's go to the Lord. And I don't know what you need to do today. I want you to know the truth that our God is sovereign, that even in the mess, he is faithful and he is good. But, but don't let today race by without acknowledging something that you may feel that the Lord is calling you to do right now. For such a time as this, to seek forgiveness, to seek healing, to find help, find strength in God. Don't give in. Don't give up hope. Don't push it off to the side. Don't live a life of lies and secrecy that will destroy you and destroy the people around you. But seek the Lord because he is good and he is compassionate and his favor lasts a lifetime. I pray that you might open your heart to the Lord today. Just even reach out to him right now, seeking his forgiveness. Maybe some of you to even pray a prayer this morning that just says, Lord Jesus, I, I'm putting my faith in you. I've been holding back. I'm putting my faith in you. I'm trusting you, Lord. Forgive me of my sins. I promise that if you pray a prayer like that, he will welcome you into his family. Your identity will be defined today as a child of God, and no one will ever take that away from you. We'd love to talk with you about that. We'd love to pray with you about that. If that's a decision you've made or a choice you're ready to make, we'll be up front afterwards. We'd love to talk with you more about that or maybe sometime this week if you want to call. But Father God, we are putting our faith in you. We are putting all of our hope in you. Thank you for being our faithful God, for loving us, for carrying us through. We're going to follow you. And we know and we're confident that you'll provide for everything that we need. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together.
So we know it. Really? 